All right, hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the year that was dot 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 1997. I'm your host, Aaron Maxson, along with my brother, Nate. Cracking my frosty beverage, ready to do the show. Reporting for duty, sir. Yes. (laughs) Um, This week, we are discussing the night of April 14th, 1997. Uh, We're going to discuss Monday Night Raw first and then move into Nitro. Um, Just so you guys know, Raw is all over the place. And when I say that, they're literally all over the place because they said last week they were going to be in South Africa. Okay. Well, this week, I thought for a minute I was watching the wrong week because it starts out in the United States of America. Fireworks and everything. And it's going to be a simulcast. Simulcast. I, I can't speak, apparently. between From the United States. Also, South Africa. And then we're going to see some stuff from Brett from Kuwait. So they're all over the place. Um, in the United States, it's Jim, sorry, it's, uh, Jim Cornette and Vince McMahon on on the broadcast team. It's a team you don't see very much. Yeah. I'm not sure where Lawler's at right now. Um, I don't know if he had some like um, Memphis in-house stuff he's dealing with. I don't think he was in trouble at this time. I think he was keeping it. So, cause like he hasn't been on like last week it was honky's been in his place for some reason. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know what the deal with Lawler is. He's not around. And speaking of the honky tonk man over in Johannesburg, South Africa, it's good old JR and the honky tonk man. Um, so those are, those are your teams broadcast teams. And I'm sure at some point during the show, Vince McMahon said, we are truly the world wrestling federation. Uh, he had Jim Ross selling that shit. <laughs> And I, going on, I think part of the reason why is that this Johannesburg thing is like audio and it's just crippled. Like, it, it's bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think they were intending on broadcasting like the entire thing, but the quality of it was so bad, they, they spiced, spliced in this United States stuff. But anyway. So I have a question for you real quick. Because... This way I'll ask the question before you really start and then it won't derail things. But I did my, I was like, we're world, we're the world wrestling. But my question is, and this is especially because I'm watching a lot of 93 right now. What is the worst Rob Bartlett, the Vince McMahon episode or the Elvis episode of Monday Night Raw when he's impersonating Vince or Elvis? Vince. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) That's one of the worst fucking things I've ever heard in my life. I mean, this isn't funny at all. Yeah, it was awful. Bartlett, <laughs> Bartlett jumped the shark when they started making him do shit like that. He was better mm-hmm. than just a, a noob that didn't know yeah. anything about the business. While we were at break, Shawn Michaels pulled a knife. That's one big butted Oriental, McMahon. <laughs> my favorite line. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um, so South Af- Raw is South Africa starts in the United States and it is the Legion of Doom facing the Godwins because of last week um, the Godwins accidentally slopped the Legion of Doom. Um, the Godwins are still the, the happy hog farmers right now. Um, they come out to the terrible WWF or WWE Network Godwins music which is Terrible banjo picking, and it's like I don't know how the WWE doesn't own 
messing with a country boy. Yeah, I don't, I don't, um, yeah, it's on their album. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I have no, I've always wondered that too. Like, why is that song not under their ownership? I don't know if, if Hillbilly Jim wheeled and dealed and made that his <laughs> shit or what, but like. Well, yeah, because you would think like, okay, they they play real American all the time, and that's actually yeah. a Rick Derringer song. Yeah, and Demolitions theme. Mm-hmm. It's like, so I don't, I don't understand. But they can't use "Don't Go Messing with a Country Boy," so they use this shitty, whatever music. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a hard hitting match between uh, two big burly teams so it is what i mean it's it's four guys beating the shit out of each other especially when hank and animal are in there they're slugging it man they're trade trading blows and all kinds of stuff but it's a good match um but then owen and bulldog end up coming out and um bulldog behind the referee's back hits animal with the belt and hank pins animal and the godwins have a victory over the legion of doom and they talk about how big of a deal that is because the Legion of Doom hardly ever, um, hardly ever lose. So um, Cornette actually says something pretty, pretty smart in the match. Um, he talks about how usually the Legion of Doom are um, bigger than their opponents, but this time they're in the ring with two guys that are their same size, so they might not know how to handle it. I'm like, that was actually kind of kind of smart you know like yeah. i mean i'm obviously jim Cornette's smart but i'm like eh, i've never really heard anybody like fine analysis by mr Cornette. yeah he's like they're used to being the bullies and they're in there with a couple bullies so they mm-hmm. might not want to take it um the legion of doom will be facing owen and bulldog at the upcoming in your house which will be this following sunday so next week we'll be discussing that now we go to um johannesburg South Africa, and it's the real double di- double double day, the real double day versus Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Um, they recap uh, Double J smashing Honky Tonk Man with the heirloom. They show more of the they sh- they show the China Marlena situation. Um, The, the audio is all fucked up on this. Like WWE network doesn't usually have to put um, that broadcast no, pre- broadcast uh, presented its original form. Yeah. Or whatever. Thing. Yeah. Like there's, there's lulls in this match where there's no commentary. So like I said, I think the audio is all fucked up. Um, um, during the match, honky tonk man ends up, getting up from ringside and tripping double J allowing the pedigree and triple H is victorious. So triple H beats double J. And then Jesse James calls out honky tonk man, but he won't go into the ring. He ends up getting up on the apron and he does the old school deal where he, he like goes to put his leg in and chickens out. And it's like, I don't have time for you. And um, Jesse James says that he'll be, um, beating Honky Tonk Man's mystery opponent in your house this Sunday. So they're setting that up. And here's the thing about this. I know that the this Sunday the mystery opponent is coming, and we know who it is. We have, you know, no, no spoilers here. It's going to be Rockabilly, yes. Billy Gunn. 
before Rockabilly even, and tell me if you think I'm wrong, but before Rockabilly even makes his first appearance as Rockabilly, this story has already jumped the shark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gone way too long. And the Rockabilly thing makes no sense because Billy Gunn beat him up last year. <laughs> yeah. And I think sometimes I have to think that maybe the, 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 uh, flatter than, piss on a plate or whatever, as Jim Cornette would say, um, resolution to this story was maybe they really were going to try. They, maybe they were negotiating with Disco Inferno. And then, because that's always been the rumor. And then he didn't come in and they were like, oh, fuck it. You know, <laughs> our, our plans are up to, up in smoke now anyway. Yeah. So, um, Which Disco would have been better, obviously. I mean, it would have worked, I think. Yeah. Um, then the next thing is Rocky Maivea. He gets the old MSG entrance treatment where he's warming up in the back and you see him like walk and he walks through the crowd and like behind him. And, um, this really works. Um, because at this point in the States, the people weren't really into Rocky. They're kind of starting to be like, nah, but they're in, South Africa, which is where they don't go very much and they don't get a lot of live WWF. So they're obviously like, you know, and everybody. Yeah. So this crowd's actually pumped for Rocky um, and Rocky is facing Savio Vega in a non-title match, um, which these two will be facing each other in your house for the titles. Um, Jim Ross discusses that all day in the back, the end, the nation of domination has been in, in their locker room, supposedly, um, devising a plan to attack Ahmed Johnson. Um, the, these two are actually having a very decent match. Um, they do a corner interview with Ahmed Johnson, and he says, I walks it like I talks it. That's really all I understood of it. I walks it like I talks it. And then Cornette um, chimes in from the States and says, Hey, honky, um, do you know if they have any hooked on um, hooked on a bonics over there in South Africa? So Johnson can learn a thing or two. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> you can't, you can't in 97. You could, yeah, you could never, you could never uh, like uh, <laughs> the, the joke that uh, the judo joke that Lawler tells on raw in 99 or whenever it is. You remember that one? No. <laughs> Steve Blackman comes out and whoever's probably Jim Ross says that Steve Matt, Steve Blackman is a master of judo and Jim or Jerry Lawler says, isn't that what they make bagels out of? <laughs> and you know, I mean, you could just, you could never get away with shit like yeah. that today. That's ever. A, that's a funny joke. Though. <laughs> um, Farouk ends up coming down to ringside and he's got his arm in a sling. Um, and it, it's like they're planning on possibly attacking Rock, but they don't ever attack him. And in a surprise deal, uh, Savio ends up rolling up um, the Rock after because Rock hits like in a very impressive fucking high cross body. Like I think after he fucked his knee up, he couldn't do it anymore. But before that, like fucking Rock had a great goddamn high cross. Oh yeah, body. yeah. Like he could get like fucking three quarters across the ring. It was fucking great. Um, but he ends up hitting that Savio kind of rolls through it and ends up 
getting a roll up on the on the rock or Rocky Maivea this time holds the tights one two three. It might be the best high cross body ever. Possibly. I mean, just I don't know. Just now that you well, you bringing it up made me envision it in my mind. You know, like I always I always say, and people look at me sideways, but I always say the best standing drop kick in the history of wrestling is Mark Jindrak. There's nobody that ever did a better stand, just not necessarily his whole repertoire, but yeah. that guy doing a standing drop kick is the best one that I've ever seen. And that high cross body might be the rocks might be the best one I've ever seen. His is his, I think is most impressive because he's like, he's 260 fucking five pounds. Or yeah. Whatever. Well and that, and, and he puts his whole body into it, you know, yeah. his arms and his big legs and, Big motherfucker, and I think that's why it was impressive. Yeah, it's kind of like the Superfly leap. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, it's not the most impressive move in the world, but seeing Jimmy Snuka being as chiseled and shit as he was doing it, mm-hmm. or watching Kurt Angle do a moonsault. Yeah. Um. So, like I said, Savio ends up rolling him up, and then the NOD attack the Rock, um, which brings out Ahmed Johnson with his gigantic two by four. And the Nation of Domination run away. Um, and Farouk is still, like I said, Farouk's still injured, arm in a sling. But um, like I said, Savio, you're, I don't think Savio, you can put Savio in there and he's going to get a good match out of anybody and knock the rock for being the white meat baby face at this time. But he was, I mean, it wasn't just because Savio was in the match, Rocky was fucking duck to water. Yeah, in wrestling. So that's how that ends. Um, and then we're back in the United States of America for the fireworks. Um, Jim Ross and, or Vince McMahon or Vince McMahon and Jim Cornette are talking about how hot the raw crowd is in the United States. And Honky Tonk Man and Jim Ross are bitching because they're cold and they're <laughs> outside. And Honky Tonk Man was like, I figured out why you didn't want to come here, Mac Man. <laughs> It's forty. It's forty-seven degrees out here, <laughs> so they're bitching about how cold they are. Um, so then, um, we recap Steve Austin making his deal with Gorilla Monsoon that if he took Sid's place last week, that he would get um, Sid's spot at, in your house to face Bret Hart. So that is what they recap then. Vince McMahon introduces Stone Cold Steve Austin in the States, obviously, and he interviews him about facing Brett at In Your House. Um, there's not a lot to it. Um, it's not bad. I'm not saying it's bad or whatever, but it's, I don't want to say it like this because all Stone Cold's good, but it, it's typical Stone Cold. Just like I'll beat his ass, and if he beats me, he's the better man, but there's no way he can get me. You know, he's right. He's gonna beat Brett's ass, and that Brett will never be done with him. He's like, you can say you don't want anything to do with me, but I will fucking haunt you until the fucking day I die, basically. Um, and then he he bounces out. Now we're back into South Africa, and it's the Sultan versus Gold Dust. Um, we get more fucked up audio. Um, this is not a good match. <laughs> You'd think, okay, this would be good. It is not. This is a very boring, bland, non. And they po- they possibly slowed this down, um, 
Honestly, because I, and and this is just going by stuff that I've covered on Slice of Time, which I'm obviously I'm into June now because I, you know, I'm I'm 25 years exactly, but yeah. at this time, I'm pretty sure Rikishi Sultan, folks, Rikishi gets injured, well, so he uh, he may have been working through something. At now time. that you bring it up, he do, he is taped up. He, he's got like a, it's like right under his pit. So I don't know if he had like a peck tear or something like that, but he is taped up. So mm-hmm. I'll give that's him the, that. I mean, I was just going to say that's the, it's they're they're both two great performers. So obviously the only reason for them to have a stinker is probably somebody's, you know, working hurt. Yeah. And plus, um, I hate to say it because it's Dustin Rhodes or whatever, but looking at it, 1997 baby face gold dust is kind of boring. Yeah. Yeah. Everything that was cool about it. Yeah, once you got past, um, what did I say? It, it, yeah, he. I mean, it, he really heats back up again once he gets in a feud with Pillman. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. From and we've talked about. I I talk about it till I'm blue in the face about how I don't like the Hunter. You know him and Hunter. But I think you're right. I mean, from the moment where Lawler said, you know, you're queer on raw till yeah. probably the Pillman feud starts. You're right. He's, it, he's, he cools off a lot. He's just treading water. And it's kind yeah. of, boring. um, so gold dust ends up hitting a bulldog and then China and Hunter come out and the foursome of triple H China, the Sultan and the iron Sheik all beat down gold dust. <laughs> What a, fearsome, what a fearsome foursome that is. Because if you look at it, like Triple H, Rakishi, China, and the Iron Sheik all beating down Goldust. Um, so obviously, Goldust is awarded the match via DQ. And we leave him laying. And then we get to Bret Hart. Um, and it's actually kind of a cool video. Because they put some like menace, they put some like menacing music behind it or whatever. But mm-hmm. it's, it's a straight up promo from Brett. It's like a collection of different different promos Brett's cutting about the same. Like there's one where they're like basically it's like two or three different promos that they cut, and um, they just kind of splice them all together. Like, yeah, no- I remember. I remember this. And it, what what made me remember it is you said the menacing music, and then it's like. It's not professional looking cameras either. No. Um, so it, it's actually pretty cool. And it's just Brett um, being 97 heel Brett. Um, he bashes America, says it's trash, and um, he hates what it's become. Um, he says he speaks the truth because he is the truth. And that's why people can't um, stand him. Um, they can't. It, it, it's the it's the. It's the standard 97 Bret Hart heel promo. Um, He says that he'll um, carry the flag of any country wherever he goes. It's not the United States of America. Um, He thanks. Well, hold on. I got to have myself. Um, He bashes Shawn Michaels, obviously, and he calls him the F word and they bleep that. And I'm not saying fucker. It's the. The slur F word for 
You, you guys know what I'm saying. The British, uh, the British term for cigarette. Yes, that's what he calls Sean. And then he says, Steve Austin's nothing but a lousy, stinking hyena and a bully. And then um, thanks Kuwait. And Kuwait's like, yeah, Brett. And he, and he leaves that way. So that's how that ended. Um, and now we're talking about heel Bret Hart here. But Aaron, I got to cut you off. We're joined by a special guest on your show. A real heel. Kyle. Let me, let me tell you something. You degenerates. You two, that's what you guys are. You're degenerates. Yeah, you lousy stinking hyenas. And even though you had some sunny days. <laughs> How we doing, guys? You doing? I would have liked to have some sunny days in 97. Not, not, to, not, not today. today. Not oh. today. <laughs> That's what God, you look at like Stacy Keebler or Tori Wilson now. And you're like, I, yeah, funny, yeah, fucking drugs. I'll do it to you. Yeah, Tori Wilson's still a fucking firecracker. God damn. Yeah, it's unfortunate, man. That Tammy Sitch stuff that's messed up. Yeah, I mean, you do it yourself. Yeah. And honestly, Kyle, Kyle, we are discussing the Raw is South Africa slash the United States slash Kuwait. It's quite the episode. Yeah, it's a where is the world? Where in the world is Carmen San Diego Raw? Um, is this this? So Bret Hart, this Vader, or this is after Vader? Like, is this the Kuwait where Vader fucking slapped? No. No. That was the year before, wasn't it? Yeah, Vader's not in Kuwait. Vader's in South Africa. Like, Vader's not allowed to go to Kuwait. I'm surprised the Kuwait invited him back. They're like, so yeah, the last time you were here, this guy fucking slapped the shit out of one of our hosts. Well, this time it's Brett, so they're cool with it. They're uh, we'll take Brett and Ahmed and whoever else you got, but no Vader. Um, the only people Ahmed ever hurt was the people in the. <laughs> <laughs> So, like I said, we had that we had that Brett promo that was pretty cool, and then we're back in the back of the United States because the Headbangers are going to be facing Vader and Mankind, and um, the what they're doing with this match is they're getting more on the fact. Well, for one, they, uh, um, Mankind will be facing the Undertaker this coming up Sunday in your house for the WWF championship. And they're also discussing the Rocky relationship and miscommunication that Vader and mankind continue to have. Um, I put in my notes and this will be a little bit of a discussion because there's not a lot to this match is that I think the WWF completely missed the ball. Never having these guys be Vader and Mick in a match or two, I think. Yeah, I agree. Never pulled the trigger on it for some reason. It's like, did you not see what these these guys were like the best thing of WCW in fucking 93? Did you guys not see what these fuckers were capable of doing? Right. Here's Vader, who likes to hurt people. And here's Mick, who doesn't care about being hurt. (laughs) And and nothing against the headbangers, but like, they should have gone out there and fucking destroyed No ifs, ands, or buts. No, you know. 
So, so that, 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 that's the discussion of the matches. Like I said, they're getting over the Rocky relationship and the fact that mankind is the only guy that's ever been able to physically, um, manhandle the undertaker and Jim, Jim Cornette makes another good call and says, um, mankind did all that stuff to the undertaker when the WWF title wasn't in play. Imagine what he's going to do now, now that he knows he can get the belt from him. So mm-hmm. he's you thought that shit was crazy. You're going to really see some shit now. Um, then they do a weird spot in the match where Mosh um, spits something into Mankind's eyes. It's some unknown substance. It's basically water. And Mankind's acting like he's blinded and um, ends up getting the mandible claw on accident on Vader. And um, this water spitting is what causes... Um, Mankind to be blinded and also causes the referee to call for the disqualification. So Mankind Invader over the headbangers via via disqualification. You know, I got it. Sorry. But like, the thing about that is even if you're blinded, if you've got the mandible claw on Vader, you're going to know it's Vader. Yeah, he thought it was you're, one of the headbangers. <laughs> your fucking sm- sense of smell. <laughs> Not just the fact that Vader could be like, hey, he so that's what happens, and they, and Paul Bear's just—he's just like Jesus Christ. Like he's got these guys, and they, whatever. Um, then they flip back over to South Africa, and um, Honky and Ross are talking about um, the upcoming title match between Taker and um, Mankind. And the lights start flickering. And Undertaker's music hits, and the people go ape shit. But it's just Undertaker on the PA talking about how um, he's gonna he's gonna fight mankind and this that and, that. and he's not around right now because he got burned. That's why he's not in person or whatever. And he still like Undertaker still gets a massive pop and a crazy reaction just from a promo where he doesn't even appear. Yeah, he doesn't even appear on the video. No, like it's, it's just perfect. audio. It's just audio, and the people lose their fucking minds. And he um, he says a great line about mankind. He said, most of my foes deserve to rest in peace, but not you, mankind. You will burn in hell. Like, like basically saying, you know, like I put my I put my opponents out of misery, but not you, mankind. You deserve the misery. You deserve the misery, and you're gonna burn in the internal afterlife. It's fucking awesome. I was like, God damn, that was good shit, pal. Yeah, probably he has a great one when he's gonna fight Vince in a very live match, and he's like at the graveyard, and he's like, he's like, it almost seems a shame to soil this. Thicker ground with your fucking rotting corpse. <laughs> but he's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. That's the. I don't want to take Aaron's show off the rails here, but that's the one where Vince gets that real that uh, hard way gusher, isn't it? Oh yeah, he yeah. hits him with a shovel. shovel. Jesus Christ! No. Like that blood just start. Like it's like a faucet. <laughs> yeah, because he walks up and he's like, "Oh, God's gonna save me!" And fucking Taker just. Man, it's nuts. Um, and then for some reason, and I'm not complaining, um, because 1996, Aaron loved this shit. They just do a random montage of the um, 96 Slammy Bikini Contest 
like okay i'm cool with this <laughs> like it may it, there, there's no reason for it they just the, do it the, the funkettes yeah the funkettes and and sunny and that pink or that purple like sparkled bikini and then sable and that fucking crazy ass thing that she was wearing it's like good lord and the best re- the be- <laughs> the best thing of it I shouldn't say the be- the best thing of it is the the dicks obviously but it's when sable comes out in that black nail that she's wearing and todd pettengill's reaction like he is just like standing still hands over his crotch just like oh my goodness I don't want to see I don't want anybody to see what's happening right now like like he looks like the he looks like a 12 year old kid that found his first hustler he's just like oh my god Pattengill's underrated by the way oh yes very much so I heard he wasn't very well liked by a lot of guys but he's very underrated um one of the things, like, I heard that he got some heat, and I didn't agree with it, was, like, he had, like, a nicer car than the boys and, and all this shit, and they thought, like, he was getting paid, whatever, but it's like, he had two jobs. Like, he was a yeah. fucking DJ. You he know was also I mean? a radio DJ, yeah. yeah. He had two jobs. He was a hustler. <clears throat> um, then the Commandant comes out, um, and I don't know how to spell con con con. I can't even say it now. Commandant. I think I spelled condiment, but I don't. I don't know how to spell. It. <laughs> I tried, and it came out the condiment. He, he'll he'll catch up eventually. I was just say the other guys were like, "Would you catch up when they're coming out?" <laughs> and don't talk to me like that, you sussy. Yes, you sussy. <laughs> mustard and offense in this match. <laughs> <laughs> He'll I'll relish you, on that later. He'll relish at me. Yeah. <laughs> Christ. If he gets hurt, they're going to take him to the Mayo Clinic. <laughs> he's always around the dressing room. Yes. Oh. You know where he lives, right? Oh, shit. On a nice ranch. <laughs> <laughs> In the Hidden Valley. Yes. <laughs> Hidden Valley. <laughs> I live in the Hidden Valley Ranch. It's <laughs> <laughs> a whole new gimmick. <laughs> from, Condiment. Comes from the Cobb Salad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> that got more legs than I thought I would have. <laughs> Uh, so, but he's basically hyping the truth commission, um, talks about great Bret Hart is, and then he leaves and Ahmed, like he actually, the commandant making fun of him, I know, but it was actually kind of a cool gimmick. Mm-hmm. And he, he even ended it by saying, if all of you, if all of you South Africans and Americans are law abiding citizens, you have nothing to worry about. But if you're liberal sissies we're gonna be coming for you it's like we talked about last time the truth commission was actually a cool gimmick until they put him with the jackal and then it was just it didn't make sense it was kind of silly yeah it was a cool gimmick till vince russo got a hold of it pretty much um but now we're into our main event which is in south africa and it is ahmed johnson versus crush um it is bad um <laughs> um 
uh, sorry, I'm lost here. Uh, Savio and um, D'Lo are with Crush at this point. Um, the only main note I have is that, um, and I think I've talked about it a few times, Ahmed Johnson's tights are nasty. <laughs> like, why did he not buy better, better t- they, they always just wound up, like... Up his ass, up his ass crack, up let's up be honest. Crack. Yes. Like, <laughs> full Ahmed ass just out for the world to see. And it was just disgusting. Like, like just, I really had tights on with the red shit all over. Like, you might as well... It's just, it was, it, it's, it's, um, it's distracting and just nasty. I don't want to see that. But anyway, um, um, Crush goes for his heart punch, which Ahmed Johnson counters and ends up getting a cradle onto, um, Crush. It's actually a cool spot if you guys ever see it. And, um, pins him one two three and then Farouk says um, if Ahmed Johnson can beat the nation of domination in one night then he'll prove that he's a badass and he'll dissolve the entire nation Um, basically remember a couple weeks ago when I told you Ahmed cut that promo and it made no fucking sense about Mm -hmm. what gimmick was it in your house this was Farouk resetting that Like, like he explained it like a like a like a non mush mouth. Yes, because Farouk is fucking articulate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he he says, you know, basically that even though you're in the motherland right now, doesn't mean it's going to protect you. Um, he also calls Ahmed. Jo- he says he's going to be Ahmed Johnson. Char- Ahmed Johnson's charcoaled ass. What he says. <laughs> he calls Ahmed Johnson charcoal. 1997, everybody. It was a whole different age. Yes. yes. <laughs> Bro. The world, the United States was totally different before some buildings came down. Yes. It was a weird, crazy, funny, awesome place. <laughs> but that is how the show goes off the air. Um, it was a decent show, but like I said, it was played with a bunch of audio. Pro- oh, go ahead, Nate. The show, this show, and I, I wanted to make this point at the beginning, and then I was like, no, I'll save it to the end till we go through the whole show. <clears throat> we talked about the the frantic nature of being from like three different areas, the audio problems, and we have talked about in the past how ninety seven once it hit Raw is War, man, that that changed everything, and it was so great. But you watch in these first couple of months of Raw's War, probably till they get till they get to the build for SummerSlam. They don't know what they are. Raw is Bambi trying to learn how to walk. You know, it's it's like one week is just this gangbuster show that you can't believe. It's unbelievable. It's so good. And then the next week it's something like this where it's just a bunch of random matches poorly lit. <laughs> you know, it's like you know commentary problems, audio issues. It is. It's just that that first few months is just like I said. It's like Bambi trying to learn how to walk. But the show is decent. Like I said, um, audio problems. Um, it was just kind of all over the place. And I just put that this was kind of a weird um, go home show for their pay per view. It was just weird. Like nothing happened, but some stuff happened. It was just kind of 
Like, well, I, would, I would have thought you'd want Brett and Steve, like, you know, brawling at ringside or something to go into the pay-per-view, but it was what it was. So you guys got anything else on Raw is South Africa, Kuwait, United States? No? Well, I just, I, how much you want to bet we're going to get a WrestleMania that's from three different... Look, I mean, fuck. He's, he always tries this. He did it with WrestleMania 2. They do it here. I mean, they do it all the time. Like, it never works out. Yeah, it never. Yeah, never pan. It never fucking pans out. <laughs> so next thing we're gonna do is we're gonna move into WCW Nitro. Um, like I said, this is April fourteenth, nineteen ninety seven. They're the they're at the Spectrum in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Good hot crowd. Um, they the, are. The funny thing is, um, you know, like they're always like, oh. ECW down with WCW and the fans are always like, fuck WCW, fuck them. You know what I mean? Hat guy. Hat guy's friend with the mustache and the Bahama shirt. And, and like the front row ECW guys are at the spectrum for WCW. Of course they are. <laughs> they they <laughs> were there. They're happy. They were there in 95 when Mabel became the king of the ring too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Like, yeah, fuck them. But, but they're there. They're on the front row. And that's the expression, one of my favorite expressions ever. That's the expression that I always use when people criticize something that they actually are at or watching. Like like fanboys that get on the internet and criticize a WWE pay-per-view or an AE, even an AEW pay-per-view or whatever, bitching about it. I always think of Sherry in her Hall of Fame speech. Sit down and shut up. You paid your ticket. It's my turn to talk. Shut yes, up. and that's the thing. It's like you're going to sit there and complain, but you paid your ticket. You yeah. wanted to be here. <laughs> it's just like it's funny every time I see the hat guy at fucking WCW working his gimmick. <laughs> but the beginning of the show, um, they recap last week's NWO turmoil, um, plus Dane dropping down and running off the NWO. Because like Nate said, they'd always talk shit about staying until he showed up. And they're like, oh, shit, we got to oh, go. God damn it. <laughs> fucking terrifying, motherfucker. Um, Tony. Hey. Nope, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, 1997, Kyle, man, I was in love with the fucking Sting storyline. Like, everybody I, was. I didn't watch WWF because it's like I didn't want to miss Sting. You never knew like when he was going to pop up, what segment. Like WWF would just be out there, and all of a sudden he fuck come through the ring or fucking down from the rafters. Or then there'd be that one week where he didn't. Yeah, you know they talk their shit and he never showed up, and you're like, "Well, where the fuck was Sting?" <laughs> um. Then Tony and Larry Zabisco check in on play-by-play, and they hype that Lex Luger is demanding his title shot um, because he did win at Slamboree. Um, then the NWO comes out with, um, excuse me, only Hulk Hogan missing. Um, Kevin Nash calls Hulk Hogan the godfather of the NWO. And I'm going to see, Nate, you were, you were with me the whole time here going from – pay-per-view into this now and everything like that. I'm going to see if you see the 
illogical situation here or the illogical okay. thought process. Kevin Nash says that Hulk Hogan's the godfather of the NWO and he's the champ. And if Lex Luger wants his title shot, he has to beat him tonight in the main event. You see the illogical thought process here? I guess I'm missing it. Lex Luger already won his chance to fight Hulk Hogan at Slamboree. So let's true. Say, fuck you. I'm a yeah, spring. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I'm good. Why should I fight you? Yeah. Why I mean, should I'll I fight, fight you? you. I'll fight you because I'm a face and I'm cool. But just because you beat me doesn't mean I'm not going to get my title shot. I have a <laughs> legally binding contract. Sworn right here. Simple as Milan. I, I fight you. And Luger be like, no, I'm not gonna fucking fight you. Like, why? Like, I'm fighting Hogan. I'm not gonna fight you. Nash be like, all right, I'll tell you what. If you fucking beat me, then you can make a stipulation for the match. Something like that. But yeah, Luger's just like, I would. If I was Lex Luger, be like, fuck you. <laughs> Luger'd be like, you know what? I I know you remember that night because uh, you know, remember what Booker T called Hulk Hogan? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Shit. So yeah, when I heard that, I was just like, "That's illogical." Um. So the opening match though is fucking awesome. It's the Barbarian with Jimmy Hart versus Chris Benoit. I'm like hell's yeah! I'm, like, I'm gonna enjoy this shit. These are two of my favorites. Um. And like I said, this isn't gonna be a show talk. I I made the decision that going through 1997 that this isn't going to be a talk about what happened. It's going to be a, like, we're not talking about the future. You know, you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like that didn't happen yet. That's all I'm saying. If that makes sense. Going forward with, with him or anybody else that did any shady shit. We're just talking 1997, how I viewed it. Um, Barbarian's always been one of my favorites. Um but Barbarian's facing Chris Benoit. Um, it's Benoit tries to start quick, but big man Barb um, slows him down, chops him down. Um, Jimmy Hart is being a pest at ringside, which is fun to see. Um, people can knock Jimmy all they want, but he's the best, I think, pest manager. Well, and again, like Bobby really wasn't a pest until like the end of the match, but Jimmy was always just kind of like, nah, nah, nah. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? You guys think that they fucking talk this match out at all? No. See, that's I've been, I've been talking about the finish. Yeah, but I've been thinking about like what's wrong with everything today, and I think it's the fact everything is prescripted. Like you're gonna go out there and you're gonna have a match, and I, I don't. I'm not trying to be on a soapbox or take this away from anything. I'm just, but you're gonna sit there. You don't know what the crowd's going to be when you go out there. It has to be on the fly. And now, like you said, it's everything is always the same match. Everything is predictable. That's mm-hmm. what I'm about about this year in particular, because both both companies, you might fucking come to Nitro and 
all of a sudden there's a fucking brawl going on. And they're like, fuck, fans, we're coming on live and there's a brawl in the backstage area. Fuck, cops are here. We don't know. Well, I mean, just as an example, and, and this is just, I, I, honestly, this is um, actually kind of timely con- considering the match Aaron's discussing here. I just did the week of June 7th of this year for Slice of Time, and there was a match on Nitro during that week between these two guys, Benoit and Barbarian. And Barbarian was asked, and that, and Bar, you know, and anybody that knows the stories about Barbarian is one night you might get nice Barbarian, the next night you might get Grizzly Barbarian. And on that particular night, that Nitro, he was Grizzly. He was not in a good mood, and he was asked to put Benoit over clean with the crossface. And he did what he was supposed to do. He put Benoit over clean with the crossface. But he also potatoed the shit out of Benoit during the match. Got some heat behind the scenes. My point is, though, they went out. Nothing was nothing was laid out for them. Yeah, and they had a they had a match. And during the match, Barbarian took some liberties, but he did his job. And and at the end, he he tapped out to the crossface. But like Kai was saying, it's it's two guys going out and having a match. It, it's not like. At two minutes, you're going to do this spot. And at this minute, you're going to do this spot. It's... Yeah. And um, not to get into, like, a, like I said, too much of a thing, but that's, like, one thing is I know a lot of people knock Rousseau, and, I, and I've and i knocked him before, too, you know? He has his bad things, but he did contribute to the business. Um, one thing that I always respected about the guy was... Um, unless it was like an angle in the match or whatever, like he would tell somebody what the finish was or whatever, but he said he straight up never told until I think he said, until he got to TNA, he never told any wrestlers how to, how to have their match. Well, I think, and that's one thing that, because what he said was, I can write a wrestling show, but a wrestler can't, you know, most wrestlers (laughs) Like I can write and I come up with the angles, but I can't work. You know what I mean? So why would I tell these guys how to have their fucking match? All I'm going to tell them is at the end of the match, we need to get, we need to get to this point, but whatever you guys do in, within the, within the ropes, that's all you guys. I'm not going to tell you what to do in your match. I truly believe if Jim Cornette and Vince Russo could actually coexist with each other, they would draw so much fucking money. Because you have the best of both worlds. I mean, think about it. Nineteen eighty is they did here. Yeah, TNA was decent when the two were there and working together because they kept each other fucking grounded. And that's one thing I don't understand with Jim Cornette when he's like, he's like, I, I don't tell me anything about the wrestling match. He's like, Why well, you're fucking right in wrestling? Don't you want that? <laughs> What you want that? Like everybody has a fucking set skill. Like that's why Vince McMahon's successful is he takes everyone who's good at their job. Mm-hmm. Fucking- well, he did. Yeah, he did do that. <laughs> <laughs> but this match is going on. Um, Barbarian goes up to the top to hit his flying headbutt, which is always impressive. But Benoit rolls out of the way, quickly gets up to the top rope, hits his swan dive headbutt, and 
gets the one, two, three on Barbarian, and then afterwards, DOD come out and attack Chris Benoit, but Mongo and uh, Jeff Jarrett make the save. And the you know, three of the horsemen celebrate, and the DOD runs away. I don't understand if, if any person that you take, even if you're in a shit mood, that you would take your frustrations out. Is Benoit the one guy you really want to do that with? It's well, like it is, it is barbarian. Yeah. Like barbarian, barbarian, and Mang. Man, they, you don't fuck with those guys. Like I met both of those guys, and they they are old, but they're still fucking intimidating. No, don't get me wrong. But Once I started talking to Barbarian, I wasn't anymore. But like when I was first walking up, I'm like, oh, I don't know, is this guy gonna be a dick? But he's like super awesome. Yeah, but Benoit seems like the kind of guy that if you fucking tried to swing on him, he's gonna break your fucking arm. Yeah, and he was. Kurt, Kurt even said that about him in his yeah. book. He said out of all the wrestlers that he met and the that, that he worked in the business, obviously other than Brock. But, like, all of the guys that he wrestled in the professional wrestling business, he said that Chris Benoit was the guy that probably could have handled himself in, like, you know, amateur-type shoot fight. Yeah. Fighting. Like, he was the guy, other than Brock, that was like, huh, if I fucking I'm just, know, do something this guy, he's going to fucking, he, 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 might, he might get me, you know, he might get me on my back. You know what I mean? Right. Like I said, the DOD, they attack Benoit, the horsemen come out, run them off, and then we move into... What's uh, what's your opinion of, the, of like the 96, 97, even 98 horsemen? It was horsemen by name, and that's all. If that makes sense. It, it does. I, I like the, the Arn, Rick, and uh, Benoit Malenko. Yeah, but but the the horseman at that time was just horseman by name, and I don't think the reason I think that is because I think Bischoff didn't understand what the horsemen were, but knew that it was a WCW Southern thing, and just had to have it on the show. That's all it was. He didn't he didn't see anything in it. Um, so the next match is Hector Guerrero. He's out again. Um, and he is facing D. Malenko for the United States Championship. D. Malenko is our United States Champion. Um, Tony Schiavone, during this match, um, talks about how um, next week we're going to discuss why Eric Bischoff is still around. Because if you remember, Harvey Schiller said that Eric Bischoff was suspended, and if he even heard that he was taking a shit in a WCW office restroom he was going to be he was going to be fired remember that Nate and then we were talking about how like two segments later Bischoff's out there so I'm like huh they finally figured out this plot hole (laughs) it only took them six weeks they're like oh we figured it out we have an idea now Um, basically they're talking about how like all of Bischoff's files and all this shit have been sequestered and they're, they're investigating Bischoff and they're claiming that next week you're going to find out why Eric Bischoff is still actually allowed to appear, even though he's been suspended. It, it, whatever. Um, we'll, see what, we'll guess we'll see what bullshit Kevin Sullivan thought of next. Week. <laughs> like, I like the idea of 
Eric Bischoff being part of the NWO and the Boston and everything else. Like they just rushed that shit so quick. Um, imagine, imagine this in '97, like halfway through '97, like as you're building to Sting versus Hogan, like Sting, you know, like Eric Bischoff's like, I'm gonna fucking get Sting versus Hogan. That's what I'm, you know, my promise to you fans. And, you know, have him turn on Sting, like, in the ring at the contract signing. And it's like, holy fuck, now. Off to the races. Yeah. Um, Malenko obviously ends up winning this match with the Texas Cloverleaf. And it wasn't a bad match. It was, it, it, I mean, it's Hector Guerrero and Dean Malenko. It's not going to be bad. Um, Dean's in my top 15 favorite wrestlers of all time. Not not personality, not like you know what I mean, but just pure in ring talent. Fucking Dean's in my top fifteen. He's fucking great. Um, honest with you, I honestly believe that the U.S. title died the minute it was put on Goldberg. I truly believe that it was because at that point, it's like, what did it matter? Well, it was like the Intercontinental title for WCW. It was the Workers' title. Yeah, like you had guys like Flair who even carried it that made it seem special. Like, think about him versus Guerrero. Mm-hmm. You know, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, Goldberg has it, and then he has to basically like just give it away because I world title now. Yeah. Um. So the next thing is um, these guys never have a bad match. It's Uventud Guerrera. Versus Rey Mysterio Jr. Um, it's a cruiserweight match. Um, Can I? Only... I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. This is this is nine o'clock hour, then, right? Not yet. Yeah, what you would definitely put that on, like as Raw's coming on the air. Um, well, it's not there yet. We haven't got to nine o'clock yet. Um, it's Uvi Ray, which it could have. I would have. Open the show with it, but um, well, are the Raw and Nitro going head to head, like, or is it still the Nitro comes on eight, Raw is nine to eleven? There's Raw nine to ten, or like, what's the no, yeah, this is still the era of Nitro has an hour advantage on Raw. That's what I was thinking, like, yeah, you definitely put something good on, or even Hulk Hogan in the ring, which maybe they're. Do like as Raw's coming on the air, gonna don't change it because <laughs> Ruby and Rand are having their match. And the only note I have on this is that, um, say what you want to say, but at least WCW, um, somewhat had, re- had respect for other cultures of wrestling and other companies. Yep. Like that's the yeah. one thing I'll say about WCW is like, like Vince would get some guy and be like, Oh, they're going to job him out in two minutes or give him some stupid fucking gimmick. You know what I mean? But, mm-hmm. but WCW was still like, Oh, these guys are from triple a and, and we're a worldwide organization. And then, you know, does that make sense? What I'm saying? Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. They, 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 they understood and, and I think it comes from the it comes from the psychology of Vince that other wrestling promotions don't exist. Yeah, and it also comes from the site like psychology of the people that 
um, for the most part, I know Bischoff is in charge, but it was like Kevin Sullivan, Mike Graham, JJ Dillon, you know, like these guys say, no, Eric, like, like, let's, let's not, let's not shit on these guys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Does that makes sense. Cause for yeah. one, we got to work with them later on down the line and, and they're supplying us talent. And if we fuck with them, they're going to not want to do business with us. And it's um prime example is when Rousseau got there, he started fucking with people like Muda and, and all these guys. And then, um, when New Japan found out that Russo was in fucking TNA, they were like, nope, we're out. Fuck it. You don't get any of our people. If that guy's around, no. You think about it, too. It's also, like, how much did Conan have a play in that? Because from everything that you see, that he was... The yeah, he was yeah, he was the ambassador, you yeah. know? And then, like Aaron said, you know, referring to Russo... Didn't like Hooventude and Muda have a tequila on a pole match or some well, shit? That was a different. It wasn't Muda. It was Uvi and somebody, but they took Great Muda and put him with fucking ICP and the fucking Vampiro. It's like yeah. what the fuck is going on? But that's a different story for a different day. Um, you have fucking Sting versus Muda and these fucking bullshit fucking graveyard matches. Yeah, it's like what the fuck is going on? Um, like I said, Ubi and Ray are having their match, and it's a it's a good cruiserweight match, and Ray ends up winning with a roll up. Um, then Mean Gene inter- interviews Luna, who is cutting a promo about Medusa, and the only note I have is that it was weird seeing Luna in WCW. It was, it was, it was odd. Like she's just. She's a WWF girl. Yeah. You know I mean? When you think of Luna, you think of the WWF. And it was just awkward seeing her. In, like, I, they didn't know what they were fucking doing. They didn't know what they had with her. Mm-hmm. Like, she should have been with Sullivan and doing some weird off-the-wall shit. But they, they just didn't know what they had. Um and you know what else? I, just I know. I know Sully probably. Ahead. I know Sully probably got her there. You know. Mm-hmm. I think. I think this was a time when her and the WWF were kind of like on the outs a little bit. So it was probably Sullivan getting her work, which is good for him. You know, mm-hmm. that's his girl. Obviously, they were in Florida together and all that shit. She played the. She played the um, reporter that got decked by him. You know. Yeah. He was taking care of one of his people, but she was just. It. She seemed completely out of place in WCW. I agree. <clears throat> and and I just have to say, going back to the match before, I just want to throw this in. There are people that aren't going to get this. You talked about Ray and, and Hoobie, and it is just a shame that Hoobie never got to wrestle for the uh, WWE. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that will never end. And only me and Nate will get this, but Uventu Guerrero cut one of the greatest promos in the history of wrestling. <laughs> Fuck you, you fucking motherfucker. <laughs> Kyle, I'll say this and then and then we'll move on. Nate and I went to a Heroes and Legends show and Uvi was supposed to work. But Ubi was hurt, and I didn't know he was hurt 
this is this is a funny thing too. I didn't know he was hurt, and I was like sitting at our booth with Nate, you know, sitting there talking, and I see like this little person in a wheelchair, and he's got a mask on or whatever. <laughs> I thought it was like a Make a Wish kid that was gonna be wanting to meet like Uvi or something, but it was actually Uvi. I'm like, oh, that's Uvi. I told Nate, I was like, Uvi's hurt. He ain't gonna be able to work, you know, and um. Then at one point I had like my phone charger in the wall and then I walked over by my phone charger and somebody's phone was plugged into it. I'm like, somebody's stealing my fucking phone charger. It was Uventude. He was using my, he was using my phone charger. Well, um, later on in the night, super crazy as a match with their cruiserweight, like the, the heroes and legends cru- cruiserweight champion, whatever his name is, like Cody Lee or some shit. But then all of a sudden, Hoovy's music hits, and he comes out, and he's going to challenge Super Crazy for for the next Heroes and Legends of Wrestling show. And in front of all of these people, Uventud Guerrero goes, turn off the fucking music. <laughs> and he's like, Super Crazy, fuck you, you stupid fucking motherfucker. And the entire building is just quiet. Except me and Nate in the middle of these people just laughing our asses off. And Hoovy proceeds to cut the most obscene laced promo <laughs> I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, I think he's calling like super crazy. Like I said, fucking motherfucking fucker. I think he called him the, the other F word and just all this shit. And I'm like, oh my God. It was insane. But anyway, it was also fantastic. It was fantastic. Like I was crying. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> Mind you, I was a little hammered when it happened too, and I think I think Uvi was, but it was yeah. fucking nuts. Um. So the next match after, like, basically, it was just Luna talking about she was gonna fit. She she wanted Medusa's belt. Um. The next match is Ultimo Dragon versus Lane Carlson. Do you guys know who Lane Carlson is? Not a clue. Lane Carlson winds up being Lenny Lane. That's oh. who he becomes. And um, it, it, it's a decent match. And it's Lenny Lane doing it. Lenny Carlson at this time doing his job. He's putting Ultimo Dragon over. And the only note I have is just thoughts on Lenny Lane question mark. Any thoughts on um, Lenny? I like Lenny Lane. And I actually really thought that it would have worked if they did what they intended to do with him. And that was make him Chris Jericho's little brother. Yep. That was, that was in the works at one point and it got shit. I don't remember which regime WCW is confusing at times, but at one point the plan was for Lenny to be Chris Jericho's little brother. And I think that he had the look and the ability to pull that off. Yeah. But I thought he was a decent worker and he never did anything. But I was just like, eh, that's garbage. Anything that wasn't given to him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the Lodi Lenny thing was kind of whatever. But like I said, I mean, he he had some big shoes to fill when Jericho jumped. You know what I mean? Like they really fucking relied on him to try to be like that Jericho character. Mm hmm. 
when when Chris left. So you know. But yeah, overall, I'd say Lenny. Lenny, good worker, good look. Um, just never got a fair shake, I guess. Yeah. Well, obviously, uh, Dragon beats him with a Dragon Suplex. Um, the next match is the Cruiserweight Championship at Six Pac versus Prince Iakea. Former TV champion Prince Iakea. Um, this is the first Nitro match that I got. Honestly, the first Nitro match I can think of that Six Pac actually worked. Like, because he was hurt when he first got there, and then he was like stealing belts and shit, and he mm-hmm. wasn't he, he wasn't working a lot. Like X Pac didn't work a lot in WCW. Honestly, no, he didn't. Like he was getting paid a lot of money to have very little in ring work, and um, the match is okay. Um, they point out during the match that Nick Patrick, who obviously got. Um, power bombed by Kevin Nash in that Rick Steiner Kevin Nash singles match for the tag team championships. Yeah, wrap your wrap your fucking mind around that. WCW, um, everybody. WCW, everybody. Um, Nick Patrick now wants to leave the NWO and has petitioned to be brought back as a WCW referee. Um, Larry Zabisco points out, "Why would we bring him back?" Yeah, like. He was a sheep in wolf's clothes, like a, a sheep in wolf's clothing, or however they say, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Ah. A wolf in sheep's clothing before and lied to us. And now, because he got beat up, now he wants to turn his back on these guys that was his friends. He's like, nobody's this guy's friend. He's a fucking Fairweather Johnson, is what Bish- is what Zabisco's saying. Bischoff's like, or Zabisco's like, fuck him. Feed him to the frogs. We don't want this guy. <laughs> um, then they show Reggie White at ringside. Um, and they talk about how uh, Reggie White is petitioning to face Steve McMichael. Good grief. <laughs> um, and then Six Pac ends up getting his cross-face chicken wing that he is dubbed the buzz killer on Prince Iakea. And Iakea taps out. And that's how that ends. Good. No comment. It's fine. Nah, was what it was. They actually had a pretty decent match. Um, that match was what it was. It was a weird finish for Six Pac, but it is what it is. Um, the next thing is um, fucking off the rails. Um, mean Gene introduces Ric Flair and Kevin Green Um Shivani's trying to put over Kevin Green as being this great gridiron um, star. Zabisco is refusing to put over any of these football people. Like, I can honestly tell you that I think Larry Zabisco was like, fuck these guys. Like, I, I think he was totally one of the wrestlers that was just like, if you're not a wrestler, no. Like, like he's tried and true fucking... I will not put these like like when they were showing Reggie White, he was like, huh, yeah, Reggie White over there. Let's see what he can do if you take them pads off him. Doesn't have eleven guys around him fucking having his back. You know what I mean? Like he's mm-hmm. even 
he's not putting over Reggie White, but he's still putting over Steve. You know, does it leave right. like Mana? He's like Steve's got in the ring. He's fucking doing his shit. You know what I mean? He's on the road with us and shit. You know, like Zabisco refuses to put any of these celebrities over at all. If you're not a wrestling person, Zabisco's like fuck you. Well, he did learn the business from Bruno. Yeah, and and, and Vern. So I kind of respect him for it. Mm-hmm. Um, um. Then Roddy Roddy Piper comes out. He enters the ring. He gets his own entrance. Um, I put in my notes, and like I said, I don't want to be like morbid too much on here, but it's kind of crazy that Ric Flair is the only guy in this segment that's still around. Yeah. Because even Kevin Green passed away. Like, Flair's the, Flair's the only guy left. Um, Piper starts out the promo, and he's just bad. Like, like you know, like, Nate, we were talking about, are you going to get good Piper or bad Piper? This was bad Piper. Mm-hmm. He's babbling. Um, he says that Eric Bischoff's out here. Um, well, first off, he basically says the NWO is just a big gay group. It's like they're just out here in their leather and spandex, just having fun with each other. <laughs> Which is insane. But they're a big funny. happy group. Yeah. <laughs> I and, mean, then, and that oh go ahead. I was gonna say if you ever listen to like any of his history, you understand why he was like his but but still it's uh Yeah. Well then he says and then he got Bischoff. He was like, he's the worst. He's the worst in his leather jacket, Dennis Rodman shirt. And then he starts doing like the Pee Wee Herman dance and says Bischoff's out here in his Dennis Rodman shirt going, I'm too sexy for Dennis Rodman. I'm too sexy for Pee Wee Herman. What you think about that? <laughs> thank thank you, Roddy. Yeah. So it's like, oh my god! So now we move into Kevin Green, and he talks about Hulk Hogan, and um, he says that he took, he said his prayers and took his vitamins and and followed the law of Hulk Hogan, only for Hulk Hogan to um, form an evil alliance with a bunch of non-productive rookies like the NWO, whatever that fucking means. <laughs> I could just see fucking Scott Hall in the back stirring people up and like, hear that? Rookie. Non-productive rookie, huh? <laughs> I'm a non-productive veteran. <laughs> Which you didn't say that line, but it would have been fan- that, hey, I can hear Scott Sounds Hall like saying. something Scott Hall would say. <laughs> yes. Which I guess is why I'm the Scott Hall of the group, because it's the first thing that popped in my fucking mind. <laughs> But then Ric Flair, he's even off the rails. And I'm going to see if you guys can figure out why I say this. Because Ric Flair talked about how um, in 1973, he tried to quit a wrestling school two times before Vern Gagne kept throwing him back in and telling him, you have something, stop giving up. You gave up in, 
in college. He gave up in the military. Stop giving up. Get in there and do your thing. And I thank Vern Gagne every day for that, which is a great thing to say. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he says, in 1983, um, I was 30 years old or however old he said he was. And um, I was in the ring with a 65-year-old man um, for the first time wrestling Dick the Bruiser. And that's when I knew I had made it. Good for him, too. Putting mm-hmm. over a bruiser. And then he says, and then in 1993, I walked into the Hoosier Dome and I wrestled the Macho Man Randy Savage. But that was in 1992. Yeah. So he's like, 73, 83, 93. I'm going to go to 2003. It's like, you, you fucked up the timeline, Rick. <laughs> I think all of these motherfuckers did a couple rails before they went out there and had no fucking idea what was going on. Pretty much. <laughs> Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Yeah. Now, let's be honest, even though it's a great year for the company <clears throat> and a great year financially and a somewhat great year f- creatively, things like this happen in WCW because of the politics, because of all that. The guy can just go on TV loaded as fuck. This would never happen in Vince's company. Say what? Say everything you want about Vince McMahon. <laughs> Three guys going out completely coked out of their fucking mind, or hammered, or whatever, riffing. However, they want to riff would never yeah. fly on Vince or, McMahon's TV. Or even even if you're not somebody going, okay, we're not going to tell you what to write, but what do you, we're not going to write it for you. But what are you going to say? I'm going to say I fought pipe. I'm going to say I fought Randy Savage in 1993. You didn't. You didn't. <laughs> you, you, you fought him in 92. You know, that type of thing. And I know he wasn't there at the time, but maybe the most, most appropriate thing would have been like in 1993. And it, at this point, it's the Monday Night Wars. I beat so the shit out of Vader. I beat the shit out of Vader and took the title. Yes. Yeah. Um, so they end um, this fucking fiasco with um, a missed basically a fucked up timeline from Ric Flair and then they all dance and they leave like okay that happened Uh, (laughs) they didn't even talk about um, the the upcoming six man match it was all just about Hogan they're not even fighting Hogan at the upcoming pay-per-view right Um, so this this was just dumb this was dumb. Um, the next match is the um, super hyped Philly street fight between these two teams that have been having their their back and forth action for the last month, high voltage and public enemy. We don't need to discuss this, do we? Discuss what? This match. No. <laughs> or Regal would say this abortion. Um, the only thing they, the only thing I noticed of the match was, um, it was, it was, it sucked and they had one table that was just a regular table. And then they had another table that had black duct tape around it, like, like four things of black duct tape. 
And the reason I was like, why is it? Why is one table duct taped and the other one isn't? The reason is because they did a double decker table spot, and I think, um, and it's smart because they don't want anybody to get fucking hurt. I think the the taped table was the pre broken table because hmm. I think they were like, if we put the wrong if if we put Ronnie Rage on this top table because they always say that it hurts worse when the table doesn't break. You know, it's like if you mm-hmm. put this guy on two tables and it doesn't break, he's going to bounce <laughs> and fall off of two fucking tables and hit the ground. So I think that's honestly why the it might sound dumb and insignificant, but I think that's why they taped the one table because they were like, this is the one you got to put on top or you're going right. to you're going to break this guy's fucking back or his neck. Which public enemy ends up winning that and there's a little bit of an ECW chant. Um the next match is the Giant versus Tombstone. Nate, 911. So the Giant comes out, people are into it. Um, Giant ends up beating Tombstone with a choke slam. That's the only note I have on that match because it was it was is, is Giant or is he WCW? Oh, he's WCW. Okay. He's all about Lex Luger and their butt buddies. Um, <laughs> it's 2022. Can I say butt buddies still or not? Yeah, sure. Okay. On this network, you can. Yeah, there's only like 20 people listening. Um, so Giant beats 911. 25. Hmm? Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at the shit right now. 25. You have right, 25 I'm listeners. Five people. Sweet. The next match is Conan versus DDP with Kimberly. Um, Sounds like something I would not be interested in at all. No, the only note I have is that, um, good Lord, Kimberly. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Good God damn. I'm a, I'm a brunette guy. I like, I like brunettes. And I like good looking brunettes. And if like Kimberly... And her last name's Bacon, by the way. Real last name. If Kimberly Bacon showed up looking like she does in like a baseball cap with like her ponytail through the back of it and asked me to rob a bank, I'd probably do it. (laughs) (laughs) So that begs the question, Aaron, brunettes, obviously me, redheads, Kyle, he likes him bald. <laughs> All right, Kyle Flesh. Okay, gotcha. Go ahead, Kyle. What's your preference? I don't have a preference. Okay. Dextrous. <laughs> get get to back to the fucking nitro show. All right. That made me think of that Lawler Jill where he's like, I dated a hot redhead. You know, she wasn't bald. Her, she didn't have red hair. She was bald and had a red head. (laughs) 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 Anyway, anyway, um, um, 
Conan and DDP, they they have their match. Um, and then DDP ends up getting the diamond cutter on Conan and beats him one, two, three. And then Randy Savage comes out in the crowd. And they, like you were talking about, Randy was the coolest dude to cut the promo from the crowd. Yes. Because um, it was just insanity. Yes, and it looked... It looked like it wasn't supposed to be happening. Yeah. Um, and Randy Savage comes out. He's like, hey, hey. And DDP's not looking at him. He goes, hey, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of my favorite in like simplistic insults you can say to somebody. Hey, stupid. Mine's mine is literally idiot. Yeah. What I a like fucking idiot. idiot. I like yeah. fucking idiot. But I like when somebody's like, hey, stupid. My, my, I love stupid. And when somebody calls somebody fuckface. Like, <laughs> fuck <laughs> and scuzz bucket. That's why I call people. <laughs> Fucking scuzz bucket. Anyway, I, my... If you ask my wife, because obviously I vent to her the most while I'm working and such. Mine is probably hillbilly. Fucking hillbillies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I call people on a daily basis fucking scuzz bucket. But anyway, Randy Savage comes out. He says, hey, stupid. And then says some other shit to DDP and then tells Kimberly to stop calling him and fantasizing about him. And DDP tries to run after him, but Savage gets away. And then Lee Marshall checks in on the uh, 1-800-COLLECT from Saginaw, Michigan, which is where Nitro will be next week and he talks about how he was talking to the the um the the motor motor city people about fucking cars and all this shit and that they won't have like an like a weasel vehicle or whatever it's stupid shit i can't remember all of it but bobby heenan said well if they ever make one marshall i'll stick you in the trunk of it and drive it into the detroit river like I will kill you in a car <laughs> if they name it the Weasel Mobile. I will kill you in it. <laughs> so then the next match is Harlem Heat versus Mongo and Jeff Jarrett. Um, there's more Reggie White talk. Um, the only couple notes of this match is that Booker T hits an amazing looking um, spin kick on Jarrett. And they show like a group of like hill, I shouldn't say hillbillies cause it's Philly, but they show this group of like white trash. that are losing their fucking minds about this move. Okay. Like he hits this and they just show these hillbillies losing their fucking minds. And Bobby Heenan goes, can you believe that they let those people vote? <laughs> They show him, and Shivani's like, look how excited the crowd is. And Bobby's like, can you believe they let this <coughs> vote? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a great line. Um, Deborah tries to get involved, and Sherry um, gets involved too, and like starts having like a interaction with Deborah. And they talk about this is the first time Deborah's had any kind of physical interaction. Um, she tries to hit. Sherry with the briefcase, or Sherry tries to hit Deborah with the briefcase. Deborah backs down and doesn't end up getting hit. 
and then the referee sees all this shit, and he ends up throwing the match out. And then um, Jarrett and Mongo cut a promo after the match, and Mongo talks about Reggie White and talks about how you guys might like Reggie White, but you don't realize that he didn't bring you a Super Bowl. He didn't get a Super Bowl until he went to Green Bay because he walked out on you guys, and he's talking down Reggie White. And then Reggie White ends up jumping into the ring, and Mongo and Reggie White have a pull apart, and they act like this is good, and it's not. That's how that ends. And then we move into our main event, which is Lex Luger versus Kevin Nash. Um, it's a basic match. It's not It's not great. It's Lex Luger and Kevin Nash. It's not going to be good. Um they're just hitting power moves, doing their thing. Um, Luger ends up getting the advantage, which brings in all the NWO who came out with him, and they pile on to Luger, and then DDP comes out to make a save. He gets knocked down, then a giant comes out, and um, somewhat gets the advantage, and then all of a sudden, guess who shows up? It's Sting! Sting shows up and he has three ball bats and he gives them to Luger, DDP, and the Giant. And then he obviously has his own ball bat and the NWO start to kind of cower. Nash, who has a lead pipe, runs at Sting. Sting gets the advantage, hits Nash with the bat twice. Nash powders out as well as all the NWO. And the show goes off the air with um, the WCW guys. Standing, triumphant in the ring with their bats. And that's how Nitro goes off the air. And what I want to say, and again, like you said, Aaron, we're going week to week, so we don't want to focus on other weeks. But this goes back to what we were discussing about Sting earlier. And Kyle brought it up, and, and I did too, and Aaron did too, how cool it was, how the NWO was all big and brazen and, 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 and balls to the wall until Sting got involved, right? Yeah. So that's why I always contest. And I'll, I'll throw it to you guys, and then, Aaron, you can do what you want to do at your show. Till the end of time, and I've said this on other shows, I will always contest that I do not understand why later on in 97 – why Luger beat Hogan for the title? It was dumb. They're a television company. At that point, you know, listen to anything that Eric Bischoff ever says is that at that point, once WCW started making a significant amount of money, once they started beating Raw, that's when everybody else got involved. Mm-hmm. When all the executives got involved, and then it become, well, we're not longer, you know, it's like, well, we're building a story, like a, a we're building a nine month story to get Starcade, and then when you're sitting there with executives who are your bosses, and they tell you, yeah, that's fucking wonderful, but uh, we really want you to change that title because we need to, you know, pop a rating or whatever. Yep. It's just such I don't know, and I, again, I, like I said, we're we're not talking about that yet. We're going to get there, but to me, it's just one of the biggest missteps, you know. And then everything after Starcade '97, which of course 
that's a whole nother ball of wax, but man, I don't know. And I, I have always said it. That's that Luger title win. It got a pop that night. And that's what it became. But, it became Bischoff trying to figure out how to get Bischoff. I don't want to say it. Like it started out with, let's see the stories we can tell. And for everything you want to say about um, Kevin Sullivan or whatever, Kevin Sullivan was a storyteller and building heat and doing this and doing that. And it, it, it became, it didn't become, it, it started out as a long game because Kevin Sullivan was an old school guy, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it's, it's like what um, Cornette said about like Sid, you know, he can make you, the numbers aren't right, but it's like, Oh yeah, he can he he can make you a hundred thousand dollars in one night, but but this guy can make you a million dollars over two years. Yeah, like like what do you want? Do you want the instant gratification, or do you want the the stability? You know, mm-hmm. and, and and Bischoff at this point wasn't becoming a long game guy. He was becoming a like Kyle said. He became a drone for the people that were like, we're, we're ratings, what's going on? He's a corporate guy. He, whatever corporate, corporate tells him, he's going to fucking gonna sell it. Yeah. You know, I mean, whether you agree with it or not, I mean, that's... But I'll contest as a wrestling fan and wrestling history and et cetera, et cetera, and no disrespect to Lex, he was over. Don't get me wrong. He never should have won that title that night. Nope. Because it took it took it took steam off of Sting. Took steam off of everything. It even took steam off of him because he lost it like seven days later. Yeah. Whatever. They should have done if they if they're so you know about this title match. Why not have a dusty finish? Mm -hmm. Where it makes it look like you know Luger won, but by some type of whatever, he didn't really win it. Yeah. And on a side note, every time Dory Funk ends his relations with Marty Funk, it's a dusty finish. <laughs> <laughs> who, 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 which comedian said old people come dust? I don't know, but I just kind of stole their joke, I guess. But <laughs> I wish Chad would have been here for it. Dumb and Dumber 2 where he's trying to find the diamonds in the lady's vagina. He's like, I don't feel anything but a bunch of dust. I don't, I don't feel no diamonds. Oh, shit. Ah, <laughs> oh, God. All right. But on that note, um, I'd like to thank everybody for um, – joining us today i think thank you guys for being on the show uh this is the one week where i can say that honestly i think nitro was a better show but uh, next week we'll be going into the in your house um that features mankind versus the undertaker for the wwf championship and the semi-main event bret hart versus stone cold steve austin um if you guys don't 
you're new to the show, the five of you that are new to this, uh, when it's a pay-per-view week and we just focus just on the pay-per-view itself, the next week we will be discussing that pay-per-view. Um, so unless you guys have anything else, we're going to go ahead and uh, sew it up here. I am good for this week. Yep. All right. Like I said, thanks guys for listening. Thanks you guys for joining, and I appreciate it. Like.